0: Hey, well, it is so good to see each and every one of you this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. And if you're joining us online, a special welcome to you. And for those of you who I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it's always an honor and a privilege for me to be able to share. Um, When I was little, uh, my dad was a welder by trade. Uh, He worked for a company by the name of Ingersoll Rand, and uh, he's a pastor now. Um, He's my hero Uh, there. To me, there's not another man who compares to my father, but... When I was little, he would tell us these stories. He has these amazing welding stories that he would tell us. And sometimes when he was working, he would have to work the graveyard shift. So he would have to be there all throughout the night, and then he would drive home in the morning. And my dad, whenever he had to work that late, he had the tendency of falling asleep at the wheel. Does anyone else ever done that before? No? Just me and my dad. Okay, so um, he had the tendency to fall asleep at the wheel, and so he's driving home. And thankfully, our pastor at the time, his name was Terry Dorsey. He was driving from a hospital call. They were on the same highway. Praise the Lord! And Terry notices my dad's vehicle. He pulls up beside him. He's he's going to play a joke on him, but he realizes my dad is falling asleep at the wheel. So Terry's trying to pay attention to what he's doing, waving his arms, honking his horn. He can't wake up my dad until my dad runs into one of these. How many of you know what this is? Yes, you're smart. You're so smart. It's a guardrail. That's exactly right. This is a guardrail. And did you know that guardrails are always placed in the safety zone? Guardrails are always placed in the safety zone. And and the guardrails are actually here to direct us and protect us and thankfully my dad was fine i mean there was minimal damage he woke up he, w- he was wide awake for the rest of the morning okay but the crazy thing is that did you know that guardrails aren't just for the highway and the road did you know that we need guardrails in our life i mean think about it just for a minute some of your greatest regrets Some of my greatest regrets could have been avoided if we would have had guardrails set up in our lives. Maybe some guardrails in your marriage. Maybe some guardrails in your dating relationships. Maybe some guardrails in moral decisions that you need to make. Maybe some guardrails in your business or in your finances. But see, all of us need guardrails. And when I talk about personal guardrails, I'm talking about personal standards of behavior. Guardrails are there to let me know, hey, Michael, you're drifting too far in this direction. Some lights should be going off. Some bells should be going off. Michael, you're drifting too far in this direction. You need to recalibrate, 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 recalibrate. Right, that's what my Siri tells me. Recalibrating, recalibrating. You you need to realign yourself, Michael, before you go into the danger zone. Remember, highway to the, I only know that song. Okay, the danger zone, highway to the danger zone. You have to be careful before you fall into the danger zone. And so with it being trunk or treat, I thought, let's talk about the most scary guardrail of them all. Financial guardrails. Yeah, nervous laughter. (laughs) Everyone gets nervous when the preacher talks about money, right? And you should get nervous. I get nervous when the preacher talks about money. All right, it's okay. But I don't know if you ever do this. I I do this all the time. Sometimes I sit down and I wonder when I'm sitting in my garage, I'm like, I wonder what I would own and I wonder what I would have if I didn't know what everyone else owned and what everyone else had. And and I wonder sometimes how much money I would have saved if I didn't know what you spent yours on. And then in the deep recesses of my soul, this is very convicting for me, I wonder how much money I would have given away if I didn't know what everyone else owned or had or where they vacationed or what they're driving, or where they're living. I, I wonder sometimes, and, and I know this isn't you, but this for me it this tendency to look at what everyone else owns and what everyone else has it it makes me dangerously discontent. See, it it lures me to the edge of financial ruin. It lures me to the edge of too much credit card debt. It it lures me to the edge of saying, why in the world did I buy this for $19.95 from that infomercial at one o'clock in the morning? Why? And I wish I could return it and I wish I could get half of my money back by selling it on eBay. It lures me. See, what this does, it, it actually feeds into this internal appetite. It feeds into this internal appetite. Knowing what you have, knowing what you do with your money, knowing where you go and how you travel and where you vacation, it feeds this internal appetite. And you know about appetites. Appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. They're never fully and finally satisfied. That's why today, after you go to lunch around three or four o'clock, what are you gonna be doing? You're gonna do this I wonder what's in the refrigerator. I wonder what else there is to eat. Even though you had an incredible lunch, you had an incredible meal at Thanksgiving, you're gonna undo, you're gonna wear sweatpants like me, okay, and you're gonna say, there's no way I can eat anymore, but then what's gonna happen? Two hours later, I'm in there making a turkey sandwich with stuffing and gravy on top of it. I don't know why, I just have to have it. Why? Because appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. And so basically, I think I need counseling. <laughs> and I should probably set up an appointment for all of us. Isn't that true? Now, now today, uh, I, I want us to talk about financial guardrails. And, and if you're not a Christian, or maybe you're part of another religion, or maybe you're watching online today, and you're just kind of checking us out, I want to let you know this. This doesn't apply to you because Jesus has no authority in your life. So I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to manipulate you or trick you or make you feel guilty about something, okay? But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you're supposed to do this stuff, all right? But I just wanna let all of you off the hook, a majority of us don't do what Jesus is getting ready to tell us to do. So you're in the majority, but you might be in the danger zone. So we should probably pay attention. Now, when I talk about financial guardrails, I'm not talking about how to get out of debt. There's incredible people who are way smarter than me that can help you with that. I'm not talking to you about how to avoid bankruptcy, even though I think that's a great thing to avoid. What I love about Jesus is he always pushes past the superficial. He always pushes past the surface and he gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus always does that. He always sees right through all of our mask and all of our pretending and all of the exteriors and he always gets to the heart of the matter because what Jesus is gonna tell us is this. You can be golden financially. You can have your cars paid off. You could have your heart, house paid off. You could have no credit card debt, no school loans. Praise the Lord. Me and Sally Mae are super tight, Okay. Um, You you can have no school loans, you could be set, you could be golden financially And you could still be in danger of running your financial future Off the road And so Jesus tells us in Matthew, we're going to be in Matthew If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Matthew Matthew chapter 6, this is the most famous sermon that Jesus preaches The sermon on the mount the sermon on the mount and we're going to be in chapter 6 and verse 24 and if you don't have your bibles it'll be up on the screen but jesus is going to show us he's going to get past the clutter and talk to us about the guardrail that we need in our lives and this is what jesus says matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 no one can serve two masters okay jesus hold on time out I don't even have one master. What are you talking about? No one can serve two masters. Jesus, maybe you have us mistaken with someone else, but Jesus is smart and he's drawing us in. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, when we see this word master, Jesus isn't talking about a boss or a leader. Sometimes that makes us feel a little bit more comfortable. Jesus is talking about the Greek word here for master is someone or something that owns someone or something else. Someone or something that owns someone or something else. Jesus is saying, you can only be mastered by one thing. You can only be possessed by one thing. Now, some of you, you said, well, I work with someone and it feels like they're possessed by more than one thing. Okay, that's a different, that's something totally different. That's a different chapter in Matthew, okay? Uh, He's saying, you can only be mastered, you can only be possessed by one thing. And we're thinking, Jesus is going to say, you can only be possessed by, or you can only be mastered by God and Satan, right? Right? Satan, you have to say Satan when Whenever you're in Bible school That's how they teach you how to say Satan Like that, alright But you can, only, you can only be mastered by God or Satan But Jesus doesn't say that Jesus, Because Jesus is smart Because Jesus is Jesus he, he says you can only You cannot serve both God and money It's all about the Benjamins, y'all Come on You cannot serve both God and money. So here it is. Here's Jesus' point. It's not about your money, or or this word can be translated money or stuff or possessions or riches. You you can translate it multiple different ways in the Greek. But Jesus says, you know what? It's not about your money. You know what the point of your money or your stuff is when it comes to Jesus? The point of your money and your stuff is mastery. Mastery is ownership, is possession. What Jesus wants to know when it gets to the heart of matter is this. Do you have money or does money have you? Let that sink in. Do you have money or does money have you? Do you own your stuff or does your stuff own you? Do you use and possess your things, or do your things use and possess you? Who is the master when it comes to your money and your stuff? Jesus isn't saying it's wrong to have money or you shouldn't have money. He's saying, who is mastering, the money or God? What is the priority here? And so Jesus, he he once again says, okay, I I want you to understand, you you could be teaching the financial class here at this church, and you could have still ran your finances through the guardrail and off the road. He's saying this, he's saying, if you don't have these guardrails in your life, you're going to be mastered by unbridled desire. Consume, consume, consume. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade—the newest, the shiniest, the latest. Consume, 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 consume. He said, "Consumption will control you. Unbridled desire, or on the other side, because some of us live here, unbridled fear. What if I don't have enough? What if we don't have enough? What if my kids don't have enough? What, what if? What if we don't have enough? Unbridled desire is consumption. On the other side." Unbridled fear, that's hoarding. Consume now, consume later. And Jesus is saying, you need a guardrail because at the root of unbridled desire and at the root of unbridled fear is this word that we hate and none of us can see it in the mirror. It's this word, greed. Unbridled desire, greed. Unbridled fear, greed. And I have to, I'm, I'm a very simple guy. I'm very, very simple. I have to make things where I remember them. And so I have a definition for greed because I hope that this helps at least some of you to remember it. Greed is just simply this greed is the assumption it's all for my consumption. Greed is the assumption it's all for my consumption. If it's in my hands, it's for me. If it's in my checking account, it's for me. If it's in my 401k, it's for me. If someone leaves me an inheritance, well, it's for me. If I win the lottery, obviously, what are the odds of that? God wanted me to have it. It's for me. See, greed is the assumption. It's all for my consumption. It's, it's for me. Me first. Can you just put that definition back on the screen? Because I just want us to say this together one time. Greed is the. It's all. One more time. They they didn't hear you online. Okay. One more time. Greed is. It's all for me. Greed and see, greed isn't mysterious. Greed isn't Uncle Scrooge counting his coins over here in the corner and he doesn't want to share or give it to anyone. Greed is the assumption. It's just for me (laughs) it's in my hands it's in my checking account it's on my credit card it's for me it's not for anyone else greed is the assumption it's all for my consumption but then something interesting happens in all of our lives and if it hasn't happened you're too young or you're lucky financial trouble comes doesn't it financial trouble comes to all of us i think at some point in time in our life and, and you know what? When financial trouble comes, and it could be financial trouble that you, you, have, you put upon yourself, you, you leased too much car, you bought too much house, you can, you can t- consume too much credit card debt. Maybe you brought it upon yourself, okay? Or maybe it was someone from the outside and it was brought upon you. Maybe your business partner left with all the money. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you have medical bills that are out of the roof, but whether you brought it upon yourself or some, someone or something brought it upon you from the outside, we all face financial trouble at some point in our lives. And you know what we do? We do the craziest thing whenever we face financial trouble. You know what we do? We pray. <laughs> we pray. Whether it's a prayer under your breath on the way to the bank or you're down on your knees and you're like, God, I've got a cross, I got a star of David and a rabbit's foot, I mean, God, it's Michael. I know we haven't talked in a long time, but God, I've got a PowerPoint presentation, I've got graphs and charts. God, I need to show you my financial need right now. God, I'm inviting you into my finances. Isn't that crazy? Whenever we face financial trouble, (laughs) even if you're not religious, we pray. Now, here's my question. It's just a thought. If you think, if there's some little piece inside of you that thinks, you know what, I would probably pray if I face financial hardship. My question for you this morning is this. Why don't you invite God in now before there are issues or problems? Before your financial future hits the fan, why don't you actually invite God in now? It's just a thought. It's just an idea. So Jesus is going to tell us the guardrail against greed, the guardrail against greed is to rearrange our priorities. The guardrail against greed is rearranging our priorities. And down in verse number 33, this is what Jesus says. Verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, But seek, can you say that word with me? First. First. Not second, not third, but seek when? First. His kingdom and righteousness. Okay, so most people's finances, this is what it looks like in in most people's lives. They live first on their finances, consume, 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 whatever I need, bills, groceries, car payment, house payment. It's it's live first, save second. If there's maybe my company or my organization that I work with, maybe they have a matching program. Maybe I'll, I'll put something towards that. So they live first, me first, me second, and then, if there's a tsunami, if there's a hurricane, if there's a tornado, if there's an earthquake, if there's some tragedy in the world, or it's Christmas time, or I feel guilty about it, then I'll give something, maybe. But it's live first, me, save second, me again, and then maybe I'll think about others, or maybe I'll think about what God is doing through the local church. Live first. Save second and live on the rest or give. But Jesus comes and he says, if you want to know the guardrail against greed, if you don't want to wreck your financial future, Jesus says, we're going to flip this upside down. We're going to flip this over. And we're actually going to give first because what did he say? Seek his, but first seek his kingdom, and his righteousness. God, I'm I'm gonna actually give first. I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna put you you and others first, God. And then I'm gonna be a wise steward. I'm gonna be a good steward. I'm actually gonna have a financial plan. I'm gonna save. And then I'm gonna live on the rest. Give first, save second, and then live on the rest. Because here's the thing, church. Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. See, our world and the kingdoms of our world, uh, our world lives like this. We live first. It's me, me, me. We save. Yeah, okay, maybe I'll do that. And then I'll live on the rest, or maybe I'll give later on. If, there, if, if there's some little bubble of compassion that maybe wells up within my heart to give something, then I'm gonna give in slow motion because God, I wanna make sure you're paying attention and everyone on my row notices too. Okay, here we go. Right, most of the times we pass the bags really fast, but whenever I'm giving, hey, everyone. No, okay, no one would do that here. Absolutely not, never. Okay, so we, we live, then we save, and then we give. But Jesus says, no, my kingdom, it's an upside-down kingdom. And and so I was thinking, all right, how do I convince everyone? Because like I said at the beginning, everyone gets really nervous when a preacher or pastor talks about money. And I understand that because so many people have abused it, and I get that, and I understand it. But I was thinking, okay, God, how do I convince these people that I care about? How do I convince these people that I love God, how, may, how do I convince these people that I want your blessing in their life? How do I convince them that this isn't about me getting your money? It's not even about this church getting your money. D- did you know, to the best of our ability, Jesus, he never took an offering? Did you know that? Don't get any ideas, but Jesus never, he, he never received an offering. So this isn't about us getting your money or, or us trying to manipulate you to give or feel guilty about it. But I was thinking, okay, how do I convince these people that this isn't about me or even this church? This is about God's word. And, and so I, I was thinking back. I've got three kids. I brought a picture of them. I love my kids, I love showing them off. Our oldest is Abigail, she's there in the middle and then Malachi, he's in eighth grade and then Lily, our youngest. And when our kids were little, we got them each three jars. Now Abby has her own bank accounts now so she's good, she's set. But we still use the jars with Malachi and Lily. And so we taught them Hey, guys, whenever Poppy or Nana give you money, whenever you get money for whatever it is, birthdays, or someone's just feeling like they want to share something with you or give something with you, give something to you, you're going to give first. We labeled it tithe. You're going to tithe 10%. You're going to give that to God right off the top. And then after that, guys, you're going to save. You're going to save 10%. And then at the very end, then you can, with whatever you have left, we labeled it spend because my kids don't understand live, they understand spend, all right? You can spend the rest on it. And this is for gum or I've got two daughters, this is for makeup or nails or Legos or makeup, okay? Or Starbucks or makeup, okay? So, so you get it, but, but you can spend, but first... We're gonna first, we're gonna to give to God. And this, these jars, they're gonna go up and down. And then these spin jars are gonna go way down because you're gonna keep spending and spending and spending until you don't have anything left. But these jars in the middle, save, you're gonna watch them grow and grow. And grow and you're going to beg dad to open them and give them to you but I'm not going to and they're going to grow because you're going to learn how to save you're going to learn how to be wise good stewards with your money now why would the preacher why would the pastor teach his kids to do that is it because I wanted their money no if I wanted their money I could go into their rooms at night and empty their jars and leave with their money Right and say, oh, I guess it was the tooth fairy. The tooth fairy came, or mom needed a new pair of shoes. Maybe go check her closet, guys. I don't know. I don't know what happened to your money. Is that why I did that? No. Was it because the church needed their money? Hey, Malachi, give me a dollar fifty. Right? We have to pay the electric bill. Ron is mad. Come on, I need a dollar fifty. Is is that why I did that? No. You know why I did this? I didn't want my kids to be mastered by money. Because I know where that leads. We all know where that leads. And, and I, I just want to share this with you really quick. Because when, when families come in to talk to us or they say, Pastor Michael, I need to set up an appointment with you. I need to talk with you. Uh, there's something going on in my life. Or Pastor Michael, I need you to talk to my kids. Did you know I'll, I'll, I'll low, I'll put it on the low end. 80% of the time, it has to do with money or sex. Did you know that? And those are two issues in the New Testament that Jesus repeatedly talks about over and over and over again, is money And sex, and I've talked to you about sex. If you missed those sermons, you're welcome to go to our website or or, to our app and you can listen to them because word on the street is the church is against sex and the church just wants your money, right? That's our reputation. But the church isn't against sex because God created sex and we've talked about that before. And the church just doesn't want your money. Did you know God wants something for you, not from you? And I wanted my kids to understand that. I wanted them to understand hey, you don't put God over in the corner and say, God, you stay over there, and whenever I need you, I'll call you. God, if I need you in my finances, then I'll call you. I didn't want my kids to prioritize money over their personal peace. I didn't want my kids to prioritize money someday over their children or over their marriage. And over their kids that will one day be my grandkids. I didn't want them to prioritize their money over God. And so I taught them. I'm teaching them at an early age. We give first. We save second. And then we can live on the rest. This is the guardrail against greed. Greed. This is the guardrail against greed. If you can learn to live this way, even if you don't believe in God, even if you don't attend this church, you'll come back and thank me six months from now, a year from now. People still come back and thank me. They say, Pastor Michael, this was one of the best financial decisions that I ever made. Why? Because the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. And Jesus goes on. Listen to what he says here. He says, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What are we going to drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. Food was very important back then. They did not have refrigeration. What are they going to drink? Wine was very important back there because the water wasn't that clean and neither was the wine. What are we going to wear? Food was, I mean, clothing was very expensive because it was so hard to come by. And Jesus says this, you don't worry Don't worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? When you worry, you're closing your hands. You're not living with open hands. You're closing your hands and you're closing your heart. And you're saying, me first. Me first. And Jesus says, the pagans run after all of these things. Now, pagans in our context is different than in Jesus' context. Pagans was anyone who served the gods, the Gentiles and the Greeks, And the gods did not care about people. The gods toyed with people. The gods manipulated people. The gods played with people. They didn't care about the people. And so the people would offer sacrifices. Sometimes they would offer their children to get the gods to pay attention to them. And listen to what Jesus says next. Your heavenly father knows. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Christians, do you believe that? Do you believe that your heavenly father knows what you need? Because if you believe that, then you and I should be living differently in the way of our finances. He says, your heavenly father, he already knows what you need. But when we seek his kingdom first, and see, Jesus' kingdom is all about others first. Jesus' kingdom is all about others first. When Jesus came, the disciples were always asking and always arguing with him and saying, Jesus, can I sit on your right? Can I sit on your left? Jesus, can I be at the front of the line? Jesus, me first. No, me, no, me. Peter, James, and John were always arguing about who was gonna be the greatest. And Jesus says, hold on, guys. My My kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. My kingdom is an others' first kingdom. If you wanna follow me, we're going to the back of the line. If you want to follow me, we're going to wrap a towel around our waist and we're going to wash people's feet because my, kingdom's, my kingdom is about others first. Not me first, others first. So church, his kingdom, this is what it looks like in the way of our finances. We give first, we save second. Second. And we live on the rest. You give first, you save second, and you live on the rest. This is the guardrail against greed in our lives. I mean, think about it for a moment. Selflessness, not selfishness, selflessness, it would change our world. If just the Christians got this, if we just understood the kingdom of God is to give first, not me first, if just the Christians in the United States of America, if we could just understand this, we could change the world by understanding with our generosity, with our willingness to share, with our willingness to help others, we could change the world. Do you know the disciples in the first century? They're the ones who were going to find the orphans. They were the ones who were going to find the widows. They were the ones who were going to leper colonies and actually living with leprosy just so that they could share the gospel and show generosity and the love of God. Church, if we would just get this, selflessness, not selfishness, is the way of the kingdom of God. We could change the world. And so if you're a Christian, You've got to do this. And you, I know the excuse, well, oh, Pastor Michael, I, I, can't, I can't give 10%. That's okay. You don't have to start with 10%. Did you know you can even give more than 10% for all of you who are like, well, I already give my 10%. Okay, good, that's nice. Did you know you can give more than that? That's like, hey, we're, we're starting here. Jesus is saying, hey, at, le- at least let's go to this place. I'll meet you here. Did you know you can give more than 10%? If you can't give 10%, Then pick a percentage. Start somewhere. Don't go below 5%. You won't even notice anything happened. But give. And then start saving. Saving something. If it's not 10%, save something. Put something aside. Be wise with your finances. And then live on the rest. Then you can consume your heart out on the rest of it. But give. Give something. Then save. See, Jesus knew, because here here it is, church, and, and I know you understand this and you get it. It's so easy to come into this room every Sunday. It's so easy to pray prayers, to lift our hands, to sing incredible songs because our worship team and Pastor Brent and the choir, it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to sing these amazing songs, but you know what God is saying? Show me the money. Okay, not really, I'm joking about that, but thank you for laughing, okay? Show me the money, no, he's not really saying that. But he's saying, hey, come on, real talk for a second, real talk. The master of your life is not gonna be the songs that you sing or the music you listen to. Jesus knows the number one competitor for your heart and for my heart is our money, is our stuff. You show me your checking account, you show me your bank statements, you show me your credit card bill, I'll tell you what's important to you. I will. You'll see what's important to me. Why? Because money is the number one competitor for your heart and for mine. You know this. And you can sit here like this all morning long, but you know, you know, you know, it's the number one competitor for your heart and for mine. And Jesus knew that. And so Jesus says, the way you guard against greed isn't singing these amazing songs, isn't even praying these amazing prayers. Show me how you're living with your finances. And I'll show you who your master is. If it's your stuff, it's your money. And I know this isn't a fun subject to talk about on a Sunday morning, but I just think you know what? We need to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded who's mastering my life. Is it Jesus or is it my stuff? I don't want your money to be number one in your life. I don't want that, but who cares what I think? God doesn't want money to win in your life. So we've got to do this. We give first, we save second, and we live on the rest. Now, the only way to end this service today is to take another offering. Oh, boy. All the ushers got really nervous. No, we're not taking... We're not taking another offering, I'm just joking. Really, the only way to end this sermon is to say this, thank you, because so many of you get this, and and to some extent, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. So many of you understand this, and you give every week. Some of you have set up automated giving. You know the reason we can do things like Trunk or Treat? The reason we can do the back to school fair that we did where over 2,000 kids who are from low income families got backpacks and medical screenings for school? You know the reason we can do that? You know the reason that we can send missionaries and help John Palmer and our missionaries of the week all over the world and in the United States? Do you know how we can do that? Because some of you have been doing this ever since you were little kids. You already get it. You already give first to God. You already save and you live on the rest. Some of you already get this. So for me to preach this sermon and not to say thank you would be foolish of me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you are already setting this example for your children, for your grandchildren. You're doing this. You've been doing this for a long time. And so I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving because of your generosity, because you're a church that doesn't live with closed hands but with open hands and saying, okay God, this is all yours. It all belongs to you but you've entrusted it to me and so I want to be a good steward. God, what can I share? What can I give? How can I help others? How can I put you first and your kingdom and what is important to you first? Some of you are giving to ministries that are helping to save children out of sex trafficking. Some of you are giving to ministries that are helping orphanages. Some of you are giving to ministries that are helping homeless or the 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 um, orphan care or foster care some of you are already doing this you're giving above God's tithes and offerings and you're saying God I want to be generous I want to give above and beyond to help those in need I want the gospel to go around the world that's why we're doing Operation Christmas Child because you get this you understand you're a generous church and so I want to say thank you and if you're not giving at least Think about it. At least pray about it. Pray about inviting God in before you wreck your financial future. So let me pray for us today. God, this is so, so easy to say, but God, it's so difficult so much for us to practice. It's, it's convicting for me, but God, I pray that wherever this lands in any of our hearts today, God, would you help us to examine how we're living with our finances? God, would you help us to not allow our money and our stuff to master us? God, we want to live the way the kingdom of God was set up for us to live. God, we want to be generous. But God, sometimes it's so hard because we see everything else. We see what's happening with our neighbors or we see where they're going or what they're doing or what they have. And God, I pray, God, check my heart. Check our heart as a church. God, help us to give and to be a part of what you are doing here in our church in our nation and around the world help us to be part of the solution God let us live in such a way of generosity that God we're showing the world a resurrected Savior because God you gave your son to us so that we could have life God and we're giving back as an example and in obedience to your word Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, church, thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Have an incredible weekend and we'll see you tonight at prayer or next week. Thank you so much.